0: The year is 1995. I'm Dave. I'm Charlotte. And this is my marvelous year. Marvelous Year 1995 Part 2. I'm debusing, founder and editor in chief of comicbookherald.com. We've got an exciting episode for you today. We're going to talk about some off the beaten path Marvel Comics of 1995. First, I'd like to excitedly introduce my guest today, guest host. Uh, she is from Paris, Texas. She is <laughs> actually the founder of My Marvelous Year and brought me in as a guest late in this podcast Ron. you may remember this differently but that's because this is alterniverse charlotte how's it going charlotte
1: howdy all um, <laughs> um. <laughs> and i can keep up uh, that accent further than that that's, that's as far as it goes here. yep yeah I, i've gone from my original universe after having killed uh, every podcast in the world and now i'm going to do the same here so excited about that
0: yeah, you do have some interesting ideas about how to make the podcast more successful. Um we've yeah. been we've been listening, but I do have notes on <laughs> it, just some ethics, morality clauses, you know, some little little details, little gray areas that we're still working out. Uh but yeah, Charlotte is here to talk with us about Marvel's Alterniverse. Okay. This is a nineteen ninety-five imprint, and we're gonna talk today about the Last Avengers story. We're going to talk about Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe, and we are going to then talk about, uh, not technically part of the Alterniverse, but kind of sort of like it, Doom 2099, which I'm actually pretty interested to talk about. Um, So, the Alterniverse. This is not an imprint that I was aware of. I didn't know this thing existed until we started reading these comics, and I was like, oh, like these are all part of the same line, actually. Um, I mean for all intents and purposes it's marvel what if (laughs) you know like it is it's just what if published in 1995 it is the 1995 version of what if which is to say grim gritty
1: varying shades of dark um but that's kind of always what what if was you know? Yeah, I saw. I saw like people. Uh, I, th- I don't remember if it was on Wikipedia or something, but like the description of what the imprint was supposed to be, which is like a darker what if. Yeah. But it's kind of on par with what what if was when we read it in like the '70s and maybe early '80s, which is a lot of times it ends badly with a lot of characters dead.
0: Right. Right. Like I think in terms of like overworking plot, yeah. Like '70s what if stuff almost always ends with someone's neck being yeah. snapped. Like they all end very very <laughs> badly. Um, but this, I guess the difference when you get to 95 is it's a post-Watchmen response. It's a yeah. post-Image Comics response of, okay, we're going to do mature Marvel now. And then you have a few different creators, in this case, Peter David, um, Garth Ennis in the Marvel Universe for the first time, Warren Ellis, who we're going to talk about, obviously. and uh, And it's like, and you have their perspective on like, okay, but what does that mean? it to, to be dark, right? Is it just yeah. a negative apocalyptic outcome or is it a very cynical, often crass representation of what became of some of Marvel's favorites? So, we're going to get into these in detail. Um they're they're interesting comics. I would actually say I had a better time reading these than I expected. Like what what was your before we get to like Doom 2099? Like what was your overall sort of uh, experience reading The Last Avenger story and Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe and had you read them before?
1: I hadn't read them before. Actually, I was very surprised uh, by the existence of Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe because okay. I thought that concept was created with uh, Deadpool in the in the 2000s. Like, yeah. I was aware of that version, but I didn't know it was uh, inspired from this. Uh, it was, Punisher was interesting, but I, I felt like there wasn't a lot more to it than the premise, which is like, Fun, but not much more to, than that. Yeah. Last Avengers story was quite interesting, um, and it's it's managed to convince me where I was not really sold on the on the ideas at first. So, yeah, I, overall, I think I, I was pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So, like, in terms of the background here, you know, we mentioned, okay, Marvels, and, and we talked about this with Skrull Kill Crew, which was part of the very short-lived Marvel Edge imprint. Yeah. Like, Marvel is doing all of these little imprints and little factions frankly within their publishing universe a lot of that is just sort of driven by the fact that like 94 was tom defalco's last year's editor-in-chief um and then throughout 95 there's like an editor-in-chief by committee approach that marvel is taking so you have all these little fiefdoms you have these little factions of there's really no top-down leadership um, at mm. Marvel but for like Bob Budiansky's leading the clone saga in Spider-Man and then in this case we have Carl Potts overseeing the Marvel Alterniverse um which again is like literally three com maybe four maybe four comics yeah um and it's it's done by 1996 so, so like this is super <laughs> short-lived as Marvel is in this phase of they've been experiencing layoffs i think a bunch of staff was laid off at the start of 95 Um, by the at the start of the year I think they had something like 160 comics being published by the end of the year it's going to be half that like Marvel is struggling (laughs) Um, and simultaneously so like Marvel publishing is struggling the comic side Um, but then simultaneously Marvel Entertainment like sort of like the corporate like ownership group you know because they're they're not owned by Disney yet like that's that's 13 years off Um, they're doing all these big deals like they're buying Sky not Skybound Skybox maybe a trading card company um they're doing all the stuff with distribution so we can talk about that in a variant cover maybe if we want to do like the comics behind scenes but it all sets the stage for it sets the stage for experimentation i suppose in some ways um but it's also like morale is very low (laughs) yeah you know
1: it's interesting that that resulted in having more alternate universe uh comics which is not something that had been done a lot outside of what if to that point like a whole comic that's entirely in that uh in that universe and i think it's something that i associate more with uh, stories in the 2000s and 2010s i know i think there's like the current version of what if in the comics is like an imprint with stories like this if i'm not yeah. mistaken so, yeah right yeah, that was interesting to see
0: yeah no it does it's actually a pretty good idea i think because yeah. a lot of the stuff they want to be doing is tapping into like oh okay the kids love punisher um, you know, and like we, we need to try to catch up with the the image comic scene and, you know, the increase of violence and, and skimpy clothing and whatever it is that they associate with sales and the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. Um, but it's actually hard to do that in the 616 uh, just because there are, there's a legacy and there's continuity. Yeah. And if you have Punisher shoot Cyclops in the head, that has really big ramifications in 616. Yeah. But if you do it in a what if, um, and and I think probably, you know, because there is is a volume two what if series, um, which is going, I think maybe the thing they're starting to tap into, whether they realize it or not, is like post Watchmen, it's like, oh, if we like call this a graphic novel, or post Dark Knight Returns is probably a better example even, um, of like, hey, if this is like a limited series graphic novel type thing, we can sell that as a collection, and that's probably going to do a lot better for us. Especially long term, I don't know if they realize this yet. Than, um, than like you know, what if number seventy seven being good or something yeah. like that.
1: And it also allows you to have stories like one and done with a beginning and an end, which can be better entry points into the universe for right. for new readers. Like if you're interested. You- You have the beginning, you have the end. It's like a 100 pages total. And then if you're more interested, you can try to dive dive deep into uh, the wider universe, which is a friend of mine asked me what I'd advise them to read if they wanted to start reading Spider-Man comics, which is a huge question. Yeah, And like the uh, examples that came to my mind were all one and done stories or like, Alternate universe stuff, stuff like Spider Gwen or Spider-Man Spider Shadow, stuff like that, which Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. their own thing with a beginning and an end that are more contained. And I think this can like fulfill that purpose.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I've definitely tended to agree with that approach. Like I think for a lot of readers, like it's just easier if you can just like hold a book (laughs) and have that be the book that you're gonna start reading, and then from there you can kind of get a feel for like okay, there's more issues in this run or maybe there's not, or there's okay. There's comics that keep going. Like they, that style of readership is not super intuitive to people who have not experienced comics before. Um, so yeah. It, and I do think like the modern parallel to what alternative is trying to do. I mean, it's DC's black label, you know, it's just yeah, saying like, sometimes. Hey, creative teams, like you have creative Liberty here to do your one and done stories. You can do literally whatever you want, basically within the bounds of whatever editorial, you know, restrictions they do still have. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the characters are concerned, you can do whatever you want with them. And, you know, thus, The Last Avenger story and Punisher kills the Marvel Universe. So let's start with The Last Avenger story, which is, for us um, in the club, going to be the most familiar creative team because we've read a lot of Peter David stuff yeah. to this point, right? So we got Peter David writing. We've got Ariel Olivetti on art and inks and colors, this kind of painterly style. I, I'm familiar with Ariel Olivetti's work, um, like, over the last decade. I was surprised to see them here uh, doing this book in 1995. I did not realize they'd been a presence at Marvel that long. Um, yeah. you know, So that that I found interesting. Uh, the art here is, it is very poorly digitally transferred, I guess is my yeah. first thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like toned down colors where you feel, oh, is this a flashback? No, it's not. It's not. Like you have panels next uh, next to each other and one of them is going to be, very toned down and decolored for no reason. Yeah. There was yeah, some weird really weird stuff with that.
0: Like it it looks like someone literally used their home scanner yeah. to put these <laughs> in as opposed to what we're more familiar with, I think with with a lot of digital copies. I mean, I guess that yeah. actually does get to one of the more interesting things about the Last Avenger story, which is two issues, but it's 100 pages. I mean, it's a, it's a full-on yeah. graphic novel. Um the fact that it's not like, collected or um, talked about hardly at all. Uh, But it is this sort of, you know, Dark Knight Returns approach to Avengers. Um, It's also very reminiscent of a a book that would come out the next year on DC, Kingdom Come, with Mark Waid and Alex Ross. But, like, nobody talks about the last Avengers story. Uh, Having read it now, Charlotte, are you surprised that this, like, is so ostracized?
1: A bit. And like the closest comparison at Marvel I could think of, which is also Peter David, is Future Imperfect. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I like this better than Future Imperfect, actually. Um, it's, it's very yeah,
0: Future Imperfect-esque, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, it starts. It's literally starts with a, a trophy room with uh-huh. a, a lot of uh, memorabilia from the Marvel universe, which we see the same thing with uh, Rick. Which is, w- was that a Rick Jones reference at the beginning? Because they talk about a Richard Jones that has the keys to the vault with a with the President of the United States, but we never see him. So I wasn't sure if it was uh, actually Rick Jones or not.
0: Well, I, I thought it was, but then we see the Rick Jones of... Wait, is Rick Jones in this, or am I thinking of Ruins? I might be thinking of Ruins I, now.
1: I don't think he isn't in it as a, as a character, but he's... His name or at least a Richard Jones is named at the beginning. That that must be to a Peter
0: David uh plug yeah. then because he, obviously he <laughs> loves loves Rick Jones puts him in everything. In
1: every uh piece of David Future there is a Rick Jones. <laughs> <Jeffrey laughs> it, it is
0: the it is the one um yeah. the one like yeah consistent thing. I I do think maybe a more cynical uh, answer or sort of reaction to this is like it's like someone in editorial or Peter David themselves was like hey, people love George Perez's uh, trophy room in Future <laughs> Imperfect. What if we did a whole story about that? You know, yeah. what if the whole story was here's what happened to everyone in that trophy room? Um, that's yeah. that's kind of a facetious answer or, or summarization of what The Last Avengers story is. It's not totally wrong, but it's also it doesn't totally capture what this is. Um, I, I'm a little surprised that this, this isn't one that they've kind of— I mean, maybe at this point, you know, it's it's too too long gone. But like, certainly,
1: yeah.
0: in two thousand one or whatever, you know, this could have been like a, an attempted graphic novel to sort of put in the canon, um, and it just never kind of happens. And so, the last Avengers story, I mean, summarized in short, is it's a future where we have you know, it basically like the Avengers as we know them are old or middle aged. Um, and they're sort of out of the superhero business, generally speaking. And uh, now it's the next generation. You know, sometimes it's their kids or whatever. And uh, the Avengers headquarters, like like the world has changed, obviously. Avengers headquarters has blown up at the start of this with all these new Avengers that we don't know and don't get to know. And there's kind of a semi-return of Masters of Evil led by Kang uh, with an Ultron. It's Ultron 59. There's a Grim Reaper, and then there's this... Um, fourth character was it oddball who's yeah yeah who's just new in 90s um and that and that's that's it and then it's it's an older hank pym with uh together again with janet van dyne which they do kind of explain how that's even possible um and they kind of have to put together a a new team of avengers right so you've got an older johnny storm um you've got cannonball from the x-men you've got um uh like, a blind Hawkeye makes an appearance. Obviously, that's a favorite. Um, and, yeah. and then you get, you know, just other characters. You know, you get Mockingbird, but then you get new characters. Like, you get the daughter of She-Hulk and, um, and uh, of Wanda Instead and Vision, the, the, the twins. You know, you get Billy and Tommy yeah. may have a big role in, in Black Knight. Yeah, so it's like I, there's a lot of Peter David. You know, one thing that, that definitely can be said. Like, there's there's criticism Peter David. There's good criticism um, and as we've read his stuff, you know, I think we've gone back and forth on, like, oftentimes it's it's pretty good or, like, a breath of fresh air. I think one thing he does in The Last Avenger story is, yes, there's the impulse to be, like, and some of your favorite heroes died horribly because it's that kind yeah. of future, right? And that stuff can feel... But it's also
1: not done in a cynical way, I feel. Yeah, right. Well, and that's like the, the thing they is, they like... They go out kind of heroically every time. There's a scene of Wonder Man fighting a, a villain Hulk and Wonder, Wonder Man sacrifices himself in a, like, tragic but not at all cynical or way.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you did you read Ruins after I mentioned it? Have no, I haven't. That? Okay. I only so, read uh, this and... Uh, so Ruins is, and, and we didn't, I didn't put it on the list for a number of reasons, Um, but that's the one written by Warren Ellis in this same line, okay? And Ruins is the exact same concept, but, like, in the Busiak Ross marvels verse essentially but it's just okay. like but it's just like an alternate marvels where everything is the worst basically um <laughs> and everything is super dystopian but it is crass it is yeah badly cynical um and it is horrible <laughs> it is yeah. it is extremely unpleasant to read and it's not clever and i think it it they very much thinks it's clever so I checked that out because I realized that was part of this line. I had never read it before. I wanted to see how bad it was. It's gonna go low on the on the worst comics <laughs> of all time, Charlotte. Like it's gonna, yeah. It's gonna have a place there. The only reason I want to finish it is because I'm like, well, I need to rank this appropriately on my worst comics of all time list. That's it. Yeah. Um, reading the Last Avenger story after that was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because it was <laughs> because it was like, oh, Peter
1: David likes superheroes. You know. It yeah, was like, he knows a real the Marvel love universe for Silver Age heroes. That is held and that's something that's interesting about maybe why it's not as uh, celebrated and remembered, which is it is very rooted in the '90s because I think. Peter David wants to to have it be a commentary on nineties uh, comics. Like H- Hank Pym at some point literally says like the whole thing became something wrong, something dark, perverse, grim and gritty. Yeah. That, that's literally Peter David talking about uh, late 80s, early nineties comics, I think.
0: What's funny about that is that's literally what Kingdom Come is too. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, that is totally what Mark Waid and Alex Ross are doing in Kingdom Come. Now
0: like don't get me wrong, they do it better. Um yeah. Kingdom Kingdom Come is in fact. A better version of this but they're very similar in intent and and desire um and i, I yeah i just i guess i i don't want to overstate that this is like some kind of like secret best marvel comic um but it's pretty fun and it's it's again there's a sort of reverence for yeah. marvel history and the avengers continuity that makes that makes it kind of interesting in the way that like Alternate futures in the Marvel Universe, like Old Man Logan, for example, can be interesting Mm -hmm. where you're like, hey, what if, um, you know, She-Hulk had a daughter? What would she be like? Hey, what if Cannonball was one of the last X-Men standing? Hey, what if um, Wanda and Vision's kids were around and you start getting some stuff with like uh, with Billy being, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme type stuff, which is like like there's ideas here that are still in cycle that are still being bounced around, you know?
1: Yeah, it was very interesting to see that this, oh, I mean, I don't know if it actually influenced what that idea would become. But this is the first time that we saw grown up versions of Billy and Tommy. And like, yeah, a, a vision of uh, them beyond the uh, being killed as babies, basically. Um, yeah, so that was interesting to see. And I, I don't want to spoil uh, modern stuff but y- yeah in retrospectively in light of uh, of uh, of more uh, recent versions of that it was interesting to see because one of them is one of the bad guys like Billy I think became the Grim Reaper
0: yeah yeah no and it's yeah. like it's just it's no one had really played with like what if they were adults yeah. yet um which we kind of take for yeah. granted now post wandavision post young avengers where like you know in in modern continuity you see stuff like that, but yeah, no, it's just like there are ideas here, and that's one thing I like about you know a book like this, Old Man Logan, Earth X, stuff like this, where it's like, okay, what ideas did did this creator throw out there that then actually got used, um, because that tends to to me speak to some pretty solid creativity. Where then people in the six one six were like, hey, we should take that. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Um. And then it and then it gets legs. You know, kind of in the main continuity. So I I do. I also like the framing in this last Avengers story, where it is—it's like—and we saw this with that that weird Dean's list, um, astonishing tales <laughs> with Peter yeah, David's yeah, apparent yeah. interest in Hank Pym and Jan. Um, but I like the I like the focus coming through them. I have to say, because they're event they're the Avengers who are, in many ways, the most human. Um, yeah. they are Cause... definitely the least popular, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and seeing... And it's also like, one of the... He's fiable fa- as a person, like Hank Pym, more than any other Avenger. Yeah. And so he works very well here as a character because he doesn't assemble the team because uh, out of a heroic purpose or something. He does it because he's threatened directly yeah. by Ultron. So he's he's a very not heroic character, but it works with who Hank Pym has been in the past. Like, it's not a... It's not undermining the previous characterization of the of the character.
0: Yeah, right. Which is, and and I think that's actually that what you just said taps into when these work for me and when these don't, which is the creators actually finding the core of the characters. Yeah, and telling a story still holding true to the semblance of that. Um, and that's, you know, we'll get to it, but like Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe mostly does yeah. that in surprising ways. Um, the Last Avengers story, I think, definitely does that. I mean, it is, yeah. it is and in that sense, it is, I mean, believable or realistic are the wrong, I think, types of attitudes to bring to a Marvel comic story. Yeah. But given the way these characters, given their histories and what we know about them, everything here is like, oh, yeah, I could see it. Like I could, this is a, this is a possible future. Sure. I can yeah. buy into that. Um, Yeah. And like Hank Pym, I don't come out of this like, oh man, Hank's my favorite now, but I am like, yeah, like he can be an interesting character. Um, yeah. And, and with all these problems and with all this mess and, you know, and the way that, you know, David is like, okay, we have a vendors, st- we live in a post uh, Hank slap Janet world, right? Like, like yeah. Hank and Janet together is a problem. Um, because of domestic abuse, and what he does here in the future, and you may agree this doesn't work or not. It's that's up to you. I, I understand it. Um, but it's like okay, Jan's use of the wasp serum or you know particles or whatever. Like she her body is kind of shrinking, and she has sort of been ostracized from society. And what happens in that is she kind of like comes back to the one person who sort of understands it, and it's Hank. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of I don't know that they're like I guess they're I guess they're romantically. Involved is the suggestion I again, think so. right?
1: I was explaining it to be more cynical on that level because uh, I thought they were setting up that he's lying by telling her she he can heal her and that's why uh, she's staying with him. And he, he it would turn out that he he's just lying so that she should stay with him, but that doesn't happen, which would be totally believable as well. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I could absolutely. absolutely see that coming.
0: Um, yeah, but yeah, like I don't again, like I don't want to oversell, like this is secretly Marvel's kingdom come. Um, but, and like, it's not that good, but like, it's kind of, it kind of wants to be that. And it's not like so messed up that it, it's not like it's not, um, in the conversation, I guess, you know, like it's, I don't feel weird referencing the two in the same breath. Like, Oh, one of these is great. And one of these is awful. It's more just like, no, one of those was like fantastic. Um, Mark Wade and Alex Ross were kind of at the peak of their powers on that. Um, the last Avengers story is not that, but it's like. It's trying, (laughs) and it's doing the Marvel Universe with it. And
1: I think it's it's always meaningful and representative of what Marvel is at any point in time to see what writers imagine the future of the universe to be. And this is the early, uh, mid-90s version of that, and I think that that's an interesting... That's always an interesting thing to see to to see where we're at in the Marvel history. Um, two, two things I still had left to say. One of it is you know it's the worst timeline because Johnny Storm and Alicia are still married, <laughs> which is always the worst thing. Yes. Um, and 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 project.
0: he's and he's making blind jokes, which like that was yeah. like one of the more <laughs> cynical things where I was like, okay, that's yeah. I'm not into that.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think the, the one part where the, the comic kind of, kind of lost me is the... Cause it's very endearing to see the love Peter David has for clearly for 60s and 70s comics. Yeah. But he's also very tied to that original classic Avengers and I think that this, these were the golden days and it's all downhill from there. And it's right. very telling, I think, that all the Avengers that aren't tied to classic Avengers are killed uh, in the first few pages right. so that he can focus on the the classic Avengers and their direct children and I think that's I'm always more interested to see the Marvel Universe evolve with completely new characters and having because uh, otherwise you you're always frozen in place to to those golden days and uh, yeah it's, it's always something I find lacking in future versions of the Marvel Universe which is new characters, like, there would be different new characters that aren't tied to Thor, uh, Doctor Strange, or Captain America.
0: Right, right. No, it's like every, basically everyone here is, like, some form of legacy or some form of literal, like, children or heritage with characters we already know. And yeah, to your point, like, it is clearly indebted to, I guess, what David probably considers a golden age of, like, the Roy Thomas, Steve Englehart, 70s stuff, you know, because, like, Wanda and Vision being together is a huge part of this story. Quicksilver's um, bigotry, (laughs) essentially, about that, (laughs) you know, like that's and that's stuff that we read in the early 70s, you know, so like, yeah, we're we're decades removed from those stories, I think, really being at the at the forefront. Um, But that's kind of what it's in reaction to. So, Yeah. yeah, like I definitely again, like having gone back, especially having read the really cynical version of what the story can be in ruins, I was like, I am not begrudging <laughs> Peter David Olivetti yeah. doing this style of story. I mean, I, d- I think the criticism is about, like, okay, but why isn't it? Why isn't it better then? Um, I mean, the second issue is, like, 50-plus pages, and I think 40-plus of them are all on the same battlefield. <laughs> like, like yeah. it is tremendously long and repetitive
1: half of it is just trying to recruit characters and it's kind of repetitive well you go from you do the let's get the band together
0: immediately to the final battle kind of thing yeah um so pacing wise i i think it's not great (laughs) honestly i do think too like the threat you know the antagonism like the thing that wade and ross capture in um in kingdom come is the actual threat the antagonists are representative of the comics used to be fun now they're grim and gritty um, you know theme of the book right uh, the last Avengers story the antagonists are just time traveling Kang um, it's kind of just standard Marvel stuff where Kang is like oh I read this book that you know said I, I'm going to conquer them here so let's go do that he gets Ultron involved Ultron has all his usual family stuff with Hank Pym like, like the antagonists don't play very differently than frankly we've always seen them with the f- exception of the Grim Reaper who here is you know tied to the Maximal family like we said Yeah. so I think that's a knock Against it. it is just like, it's not, it's not especially inventive, but probably the biggest thing is just the pacing, but there are decent ideas here. I mean, even small stuff like, um, Hey, Peter Parker's middle-aged and he promised Mary Jane. He won't be a superhero anymore. And they have a son named Ben now. Um, stuff like that is obviously like, that's going to get played with in Marvel. And, um, it, it actually made me think of, um, uh, wild Cards, the, which I always love coming back to the George R. R. Martin sometimes written but curated superhero universe um he has this character i think it's tom tuttleberry or tudsberry uh the the magnificent turtle and it's a total peter parker riff but it's like he writes a story i think within the third book where it's like yeah like when he gets middle-aged like this is here's here's you know spider-man with a paunch kind of thing right and with, and with relational commitments and things like that um and peter david gets those mostly for jokes for a few pages but it's like yeah okay we, we, we actually haven't seen a ton of that <laughs> in the marvel universe to this point so it works so all right so i think that's enough about the last Revenger story um let's let's transition then to punisher kills the marvel universe which is you know definitely uh, similar ideas but this time it's written by garth ennis we got pencils by doug braithwaite inks by michael halbib uh, colors by torn smith letters by bill oakley this is the first thing we've read or our reading of garth ennis in the marvel universe um this is 1995. This is the year that Preacher launches for Vertigo. Uh, so, and this is not yet like a superstar. You know, Preacher's just starting this year. Uh, he is coming off of some Constantine Hellblazer stuff, which um, which some of that's very good. I, I really like the Ark Dangerous Habits, um, which, is, which is some pretty good stuff. So it's not like he's a total newcomer, but relative, right? Preacher's just getting started. And this is his first Punisher work. And obviously Ennis becomes... Really well known with Punisher in the Marvel Universe uh because that's a character that he's gonna do some some pretty interesting stuff with Charlotte you hadn't read Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe so this one's fifty pages it's basically just an oversized what if uh what did you think
1: it was it was interesting um most of it it's literally just a premise you see Punisher go after superhero after superhero yeah and it's kind of fun to see this these matchups although they're quite quick. He usually kills uh, everyone in uh, less than a page. Um, yeah, and it's it's very... All of it is very brutal and sudden. Like, it's very weird to see Cyclops Jubilee be killed violently in one panel. Uh, each time it happens very fast because, like, you have uh, 500 superheroes to kill in 50 pages, so right. yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting... It's a fun comic, but I, I didn't enjoy it, uh, like, on a higher level than that.
0: No, there's definitely not a deeper meaning <laughs> to this yeah. comic. Um, you know, I joke about, like, so all the comics that we read are, you can find them in the, in the show notes. And uh, if you're part of the uh, club, the Slack club, you can get it for as little as $1 a month. We'll give you access to the full spreadsheet. And what I have in the spreadsheet um, is, you know, it's, it's in the title. Like, this this book is Punch yeah. Kills the Marvel Universe. There are no secrets. Um, it, that is what it is. You can see definitely, you know, you referenced the Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe stuff, which has... yeah been rejuvenated for modern audiences is incredibly popular. Um, like branding wise, like this stuff does well, like audiences have an appetite yeah. for this. The Deadpool stuff breaks it off across more of a mini series um, to actually build up sort of the challenge of killing everyone in the Marvel universe, <laughs> you know, which yeah. I think is actually a little more effective. Um, I think one of the knocks on this and it's like on one hand it's who cares, but it's kind of matters for the story is just like, Everything comes a little too easy for Frank, you know. It's like he yeah. has to take them all out in a single page, so it just makes all the other heroes look like chumps,
1: you know. Yeah, it's it's weird that with all the Avengers and all the X Men here, he still manages to kill uh, like five people, <laughs> right? <laughs> Immediately, it's it feels often too easy. He kills the the he just plows through the Kingpin's minions. He kills Wolverine in one page, I think. Yeah, right. Um, yeah.
0: Well, and the premise here, so instead of so Frank is—is is he a Shield agent, um, or he's maybe just still a cop or something, right? But he's
1: yeah, it's it's unclear because if it's if he's just a cop, then uh, the, the NYPD has gotten uh, a lot of tech.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I was kind of reading it as a Shield agent, and um he uh there there's a Avengers you know superhero battle versus alien invaders thing going on in the park, right? And yeah. um and Frank rushes there because it's going on. His family was visiting the park that day. And instead of being gunned down by, you know, uh, criminals, by, by, you know, the mafia or whatever it is, um, it's, they die in the crossfire of this yeah. superhero versus alien invasion. Punisher immediately, he doesn't, he doesn't go home and think about his plan for vengeance. He immediately takes out Cyclops and Jubilee <laughs> yeah. in it, like in front of of everyone, Wolverine tries to kill him. He gets stopped. And then Frank goes to prison. And then from there, he's, you know, rescued by this group of, Um, of people who have been maimed in superhero battles or accidents or whatever, this piece of it is so reminiscent of what Ennis is going to do on the boys. You know, it is, it is very much um, the, the actual human cost, the reflection of people who are, who hate superheroes and they hate them because they do all this violence and they don't think about the consequences. Um, That, general theme that line of thinking is huge in ennis's work obviously the boys
1: the, the, the ennis version of the boys the comic I, have you read those charlotte no i haven't I, i've seen the first season of the show but i haven't uh, read the comics so like, the comic I, I've heard, like that the show is better more more tight
0: yeah that's definitely my view i i think the show fixes a lot of the comics problems the comic yeah. is so cynical and yeah. uh is so like <laughs> like screw you and screw your love of superheroes which obviously as yeah. like fans of that is sometimes you can you can take that medicine um but I don't think it's communicated super effectively like a satire um but like that's that's kind of where Ennis is maybe going to get to uh but in this at this stage it's just very early early versions of those seeds um yeah. I think as a creator he's really he's like really into disfiguration. Like he, he likes <laughs> yes. characters who just have really weird looking faces. Um, obviously, this is a thing in, in Preacher that's going to be big, uh, but that's kind of, you know, Punisher's whole group is like, yeah, like they're disfigured and maimed and yeah. left broken. And
1: even Punisher has like the three clothes marker on his face for the whole comics. Yeah. Wolverine attacks him immediately after after he kills Cyclops.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, right. So I think like beyond that, it's like you said, it's it's literally just page after page of yeah. Frank taking out all the superheroes. Um, I don't...
1: The, the one interesting thing added, I think, is, like, his relationship with Daredevil. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing, Matt Murdock he, is his attorney and, like, the only one who's actually trying to connect to him and to... Maybe not give him redemption, but stop him by connecting to him on a human level. And then by the end, the only superhero that's left to kill is Daredevil. And he, on the moment where he's killing him, he, he realizes who he is. And it's weird because so that makes him doubt what he's doing. But it's also, like, did you not realize that there were humans before then?
0: <laughs> it, it's kind of a weird message. Um, I do yeah. the Madden Daredevil stuff because the comic even starts with like them as kids. Yeah. and, like, a young Frank Castle standing up for a young Matt Murdock and just kind of these innocuous, like, they just cross paths. It's not like they were best friends kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But Ennis does build on their relationship to actually – to kind of do the the Frank and Matt thing that we're somewhat familiar with, you know, if you go back to the yeah. Miller Daredevil stuff too. Um. But, yeah, that particular message of, like, there's real people in there. Like, it's not like that's actually, yeah. like, important to get
1: across to anyone really. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not
0: – there's not like a – Oh, the moral of the story is like it's just kind of that's Matt's role in this, yeah. and, and th-
1: it, it ends on a note of uh, like that uh, Punisher kills Daredevil, and Daredevil says something like, uh, "Well, now you've ki- killed every last one of them," and Punisher says, "No, there's still one left," and he he kills himself. Yeah, basically is what we understand. And that that was it's how he, he became a superhero by killing everyone else. That's it's a weird message. And I think it made me think of. Um, What's something Jason Aaron does in uh, the 2010s with uh, <laughs> Gore and Thor, Yeah. Which is a, a version of that that actually makes sense and is good. And here, I, I, yeah, it was weird to me that how killing, how does killing every superhero make him a superhero? I, I wasn't clear. <laughs> yeah, no, it's
0: definitely, it's, it's definitely meant to be just sort of the darkest possible outcome yeah. of just like the only safe world is a world totally removed from all superheroes, um, which again is obviously kind of the premise of the boys in some ways uh but it's
1: the the one thing that makes him turn against the group of people that were backing him is when they tell him to continue killing every superhuman that might uh, arise and he's not no i'm not doing that and like how is that different from what you've done um, yeah this point
0: right right no how is
1: that the thing that makes you turn
0: (laughs) right it's kind of just like well we don't have pages to keep that story going so we're going to resolve this um Yeah, it it is a little messy, Um, but I—I mean, I think again, it's like this comic sets out to do a thing, and that thing is a version of the Punisher where he kills the Marvel Universe, and it does that, and it does it again. It's like you barely need a story, you know, in order to do that particular sequence of violence, but the story actually it does have some interesting elements, and it has a thread of matt and frank going back and forth and it holds together more tightly than i think a lot of versions of it would so again like i don't love it but i do think it's generally good um and probably again like if you just said it devoid of any knowledge of the creators and you said hey marvel did an issue called punisher kills the marvel universe in 1995 like expectations would be pretty minimal um that that would be super readable but it's very readable, um, and and frankly, even enjoyable at times. So I'm I'm pro this comic. Uh, I'm not, again, like I'm not actually into the kills the universe branding. I guess that's kind yeah. of just not my scene. I don't. But that said, like I I can appreciate when it's done well. Like I appreciate this. I appreciate the Deadpool version. I think written by Colin Bunn, Um, where there's there's ways to do it that aren't just. The celebration of gore and violence, which obviously yeah. is gonna be there, but it's not if it's not just that, you know, I can appreciate it. But I, yeah. I don't know, just more broadly, like when these types of comics are like, hey, do you wanna see all your favorite heroes, you know, destroyed? Like I'm not especially into that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think it can be the pretext to just have a kind of parody comic, which it kind of does with the X-Men section where Punisher basically sends a message to every X-Men villain and every X-Men of like, we're calling you for a final battle on the moon. And every X-Men, and every X-Men villain is on the moon, confused as to why they're here. And they're like, just with big um, Claremont speeches. And it was kind of fun of the level of uh, kind of parodying what those characters are in the Marvel Universe. and Yeah. Was kind of fun of he just nukes the whole moon with uh, every Newton's on it.
0: Yeah, that's the X-Men stuff is actually probably the closest to like genuine laugh out loud moments yeah. I think this comic gets to um the fact that they're like straight up reenacting the animated series uh, yeah. video montage of like the you know the the bad guys and the good guys clashing into each other like that's what they're lining up to do even
1: though the bad guy team makes no sense at all like apocalypse Mr. Sinister Emma Frost and Magneto are on the same team it's
0: like it makes no sense but also it rules like I love it yeah <laughs> like I'd be so excited <laughs> if that was really happening um, yeah there's also a really funny moment when Frank's going when he's in court, in the, in the beginning, the judge says there can be no excusing the fact that you murdered some of this nation's greatest heroes. And then there's a pause and the X-Men Cyclops and Jubilee. (laughs) What a sick burn. (laughs) Cyclops and Jubilee. I love that. That cracked me up. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Is it, is it amazing? No. Um, is it my favorite Punisher comic of the 90s? Probably. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, kind of the yeah same here. It does Punisher... I mean, yeah, I'm not interested in the grim and gritty Punisher kills the Magia in general. But mm-hmm. this was kind of fun. I think, yeah, usually my stance on the Punisher is he works better as part of the Marvel Universe. And for someone to to bounce off of uh, with uh, with the other characters.
0: Yeah, I'm actually... I'm probably with you on that. And I think we're probably in the minority of... Yeah. You know, I think... The real, like, real committed Punisher fandom is probably more into that sort of grim and gritty street level stuff. And I actually, my favorite Punisher stuff tends to be stuff that only can happen in these superhero universes where he's, yeah, going up against superheroes like this. Or when I think of the runs I like, like, like Rick Remender in the 2000s, like, the stuff he's doing is, like, and I won't spoil anything, but it's like hunting a Superman or like dealing with yeah. monsters, you know, and stuff like that, I actually, or like oh, Punisher kill stuff
1: like and Cates does more recently, which I can't say anything more about it without spoiling it, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's some s- fun cosmic stuff.
0: Right, right. That stuff tends to be more Miley, I suppose, yeah. um, which, you know, I get. Uh, or, yeah, and, and I like him in Daredevil stuff. I think he often fits well in yeah. Daredevil stories. Um, okay, let's, let's get to the... The last one here, unless you have any final Ennis or Punisher, Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe thoughts. Nope. Okay. So the next comic we read is Doom 2099. Um, we're kind of jumping into like a, a hodgepodge of the middle of the run here with issues 29 to 35. Yeah. I was kind of just trying to summarize this big Marvel 2099 event, which is One Nation Under Doom, um, which it spirals out of Doom 2099. It becomes so big that other other um, issues in the line start getting the AD added, you know, the after Doom, which is clever. Yeah. They get, like, one-shots. You know, there's a 2099 AD number one one-shot and stuff like that. Um, so, first thoughts on this. I love Doom 2099 as a concept. Obviously, no secret to listeners of the pod, to fans of Comic Book Herald, that I am a big Dr. Doom fan.
1: Yeah.
0: I am obsessed with Doom 2099 as a concept. <laughs> like, I, yeah. that costume... The blue, I have the holographic number one issue that I got for, like, a dollar, um, like, early. And I was just like, I love this character. I need to know more about them. And then, so the backstory building to this moment, because obviously we're we're a whole 2 years run into the Doom 2099 verse, right? right. Um, I think it's John Francis Moore writing those early years. And the whole backstory, summarized in short, is Doom was, like, gone for 50 to 100 years. He shows up in 2099, um, he thinks he's Victor Von Doom, but he's not sure. Then another yeah. Doom shows up, and it's like, no, I'm the real Doctor Doom. I'm Victor Von Doom. They go through that, that whole thing, kind of Clone Saga-esque, for, for a few issues. Okay. And the net what, of was it... Was that
1: going on at the same time that the exact same thing was going on in regular Fantastic Four comics? <laughs> <'Cause> the same <laughs> thing happened in Fantastic Four, right? I think
0: mean, kind of, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, the same thing happens in Fantastic Four all the time because you get Kristoff, and you get clones, and you get this yeah. and that. Right, no. it's So it's it's not un unused or unfamiliar um but yeah. because it's this 2009 i first off i just love the idea that like th- hey this future is 100 years in the f- in the um in the distant future cool victor von doom is still going to be around like yeah. i just that
1: doom is still doom
0: yeah yeah like that's always thrilling to me that he can yeah. show up so the net of of that whole saga is the real victor von doom is in fact victor he gets his memories back he remembers killing reed and stuff like that and and now he's around in the present day, he has reconquered Latveria at this point. Um, and now he sets his sight on like world takeover, beginning with taking over America. Now, this is 2099 America. So, everything like there is a White House and there's a president, but sort of the world is like truly run by corporations. You know, that's kind of the big, yeah. the big version of this event. But this is like, you know, international um, world takeover, Doctor Doom, uh, specifically like conquering the White House. And those are the issues yeah. that we read here. Okay. But then before we talk about the actual content um we have to talk. so the writers warren ellis pencils by pat broderick inks by john nyberg colors by joe andriani yeah letters by john costanza um we've talked about this i think on my ultimate year but probably not so far on my marvelous yeah. year uh warren ellis is a huge name in comics um for the lat until the last you know whatever it's been year plus i would have said one of my favorite comic book writers you know and then there were all these uh Rele- um, revelations and accusations and allegations and a lot of proof um, yeah. that he uh, was very manipulative and abusive um, yeah. towards a huge, just like startling number of women. Um, so anything talking about Warren Ellis is completely, I don't know what the word is. Um, it's completely overshadowed by that fact. If you're, if you're as a reader, just like, yeah, I just don't want to mess with any of his stuff uh, because of all that, fair. And I don't want to give... Yeah any more publicity or or coverage than is needed at this point in time, given what we now know about the creator. Um, the, the challenge, I think, in the Marvel Universe is this creator was huge and wrote um, stories that you kind of can't just ignore um, if you're yeah. reading through the Marvel Universe and you just want to know, like, hey, what was out there and what happened and what was good and stuff like that. So um, to each their own, I, I think, on that front, as far as, like, do you want to touch it at all? Uh, but obviously, like, my big thing is just, like, I want to make sure everybody knows. Um there's uh there's a whole website. I think it's called So Many of Us. Um yeah. if you Google that more Ellis, like go to it and read what's there. Uh, because there are so many testimonials about yeah. the the just gross and, and manipulative behavior. So all right. Um hopefully that covers that on that front. Charlotte, had you read any Toom- Doom twenty ninety nine before and uh and what did you think of this?
1: I think I read the first few issues cuz I, I was curious. Like it's something we've talked about on the uh, on the podcast before which is I'm not a big fan of 2099. Uh, I, I don't really exactly know why. It's just yeah. the the character designs are, are very unattractive to me. I mean attractive isn't the right word, but it's it's not the type of uh, design that uh, that I like, so it's a first uh, huddle to me enjoying them. And See that's yeah, funny so because
0: I, I actually think the design of Doom 2099 and Spider-Man 2099 are like Maybe my two favorite things <laughs> about the <laughs> entire universe.
1: <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. I mean, it's often like spikier and buffer, uh, yeah. <laughs> regular characters. Yeah, um, yeah, but I, I, I barely remembered the, the first uh, issues of the run. So, he, Ellis drops you with a, a lot of characters that you're supposed to know, and yeah. you're like, I don't know who any of these people are, and I'm completely lost. Uh, so usually the best parts of these comics is when it's actually focused on Doom himself. Right. Um, although there's some kind of stuff, with, some fun stuff with his mercenaries, which he has like a band of um, Wakandans warriors as his mercenaries, if I understood correctly, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that, which is kind of fun, which he makes every of his mercenaries into his uh, like secretaries, basically his ministers, which is weird because they're, they're just soldiers, I think, from what I understand.
0: Right, yeah. He's got um, his uh his black cabinet, which is his yeah. you know, his his as he takes over the White House sort of thing. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's, it's a
1: real like Book of Boba Fett thing where he's taken over the US with like five messengers <laughs> <laughs> and those are the guys that, that are going to rent things. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Uh right, no, it's it's like yeah, I, I, I don't think these comics are actually especially good. I think they are for two thousand ninety nine pretty good. Um, because it's a universe that I'm not obsessed with, you know, and I, I think often the quality is like very middle of the road, if not bad. Um, so I think these, these issues do stand out just as like, yeah, this is a cool concept. It's a, it's a big kind of thing playing out that is at least interesting. And again, it's just like, we have a future where Victor Von Doom is trying to impose his will. Um, by taking over the world, which is like the classic Doom yeah. story, you know, like that is that is a classic Doom story that rarely gets to be told because he often has to be stopped before that point <laughs> because it's hard to walk yeah. it back. Um, The nice thing with 2099, much like the Alterniverse, is you don't have to worry about walking it back because <laughs> for starters, they don't know this yet, but like the line's almost done. Yeah. Um, But also just like it's a future and we can do these sorts of things. You know, it's, it's very... Ultimate universe in that regard, where it's just yeah. like, yeah, okay, have him take over the White House. Like, we'll figure it out later, like, what we do yeah. about bringing the world back together after this point, and you know?
1: I really, really like the setup of having Doom be the the Steve Rogers of this era, which is he's the only relic from the previous superhero age. Yeah. which is, I think that's a very interesting setup, and it works well with uh, the basically capitalistic... Um, uh, billionaires bringing back a a, f- a false Steve Rogers to oppose him yeah which is like a a twisted version of Steve Rogers which is I don't know if it's clearly stated but he was basically just made for this I don't think he was a real person that just created him in the lab. cap
0: the kappa analog yeah right that's like it's not yeah. the real cap no I think that's actually like the coolest idea at the heart yeah. of this whole thing which is like like in 616 if doom starts conquering nations, which like good grief, we're talking about this on the on yeah. weekend where Russia <laughs> is invading the Ukraine, you know, and it's like yeah. okay, this stuff's happening. It's like that person's a villain, right? Like that leader yeah. is is a a autocrat and a villain. Um yeah. you know, he's the Putin. Uh in twenty ninety nine, it's kinda like, well, it's like he has a point. <laughs> it's like, like there's yeah. actually like the, the way a the story's told
1: dystopian future.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's like it, like it's almost like resistance um, with him taking back, you know. And it's like Doom is not yeah. the man of the people, but like you kind of get some of that because of
1: yeah, he kind of is. Like he, <laughs> he's the he's the hero until he's not, yeah, and until he becomes like. Basically, what um, white boomers on Facebook think Joe Biden is <laughs> the, the communist that's going to to steal your money and your guns and uh, leave you in poverty. In yeah, yeah, poverty. yeah. But
0: it, it takes him a minute to reveal his true face.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's and even point. then, it's like because of the influence of some kind of alien, which was huh, weird uh, detail.
0: Right. But that, that's why I like the, you know, what you described of like, OK, you have these super uber capitalist corporate owners who are like, okay, we need to take back our America because it affects our bottom line. We're going to manufacture this fake captain America. Like that is, that's actually really good satire. Um, that's, that's pretty clever. And then having that go up against, you know, the embodiment of tyrannical evil, typically Dr. Doom, but now as a resistance fighter, it just subverts expectations. It subverts what you think, you know, about who's right and who's wrong and, and et cetera. Um, in, in fun ways, these comics are messy. Um, they're they're definitely not super tight. I think I there's like an ideal version of this in my head that is so much better than what's actually here on the page.
1: Yeah, you know, look, no, I I think it's a very good setup. Cause Doom is often an anti-hero, or anti-villain, if that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. he's a he's a very interesting figure, but he always he's always on that line and kind of on the villain side but here because he's in a world that's worse than he is he can't have the the role of the hero and that's that's a very fun premise and very interesting one
0: yeah that's a good way of putting it I, I do think that works for this character in particular because like when you look across the rest of the 2099 line you know especially as the years go on it's like yeah. Spider Man stays semi interesting because o- Miguel O'Hare is a cool character, you know. So like yeah. you could you could just follow that character, and if you like them, there's going to be stuff for you to engage with. But otherwise, it's like I check out on X Men twenty ninety nine so fast. Um, ha- I just have can't you read, keep the reading it. I've read the first issues. I read the first. I actually own the first like fifteen yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, but I think,
1: uh, I think the first like we read the first maybe three issues with with Zach. Yeah. I- I- we thought they were kind of interesting, and there were there was some stuff with like. The idea of mutant mutant culture, that was very interesting, like, years before Krakow.
0: Uh-huh. You know, for sure. No, it's not devoid of ideas. Um, And I, yeah. I think the early, I think the start of it has a fair amount of promise. I just think it, like, yeah. it cannot, sus- or it, it, not that it cannot, it just doesn't sustain. No, that's um, fair.
1: I, I haven't read it past the, like, first three or four issues.
0: Yeah. Well, and they kind of do the thing, too, that we talked about uh, with The Last Avenger story, where it's, like, yeah, we're gonna do new characters. Like we're not actually doing yeah legacy stuff, which I think it works a lot better. I mean, there's some, you know, you have Morphine Summers, right? Like you're gonna have familiar names, maybe.
1: Um, yeah. but the actual like people—they're they're really mythical icons of the past. Yeah, going back to going back to X Men. Uh, that one character makes a speech about great figures in music history and he just mentions Xavier and Magneto and then a third person that we don't know that probably happened in between uh, those two ages and they're like, they're historical figures and mythical figures but they're not directly characters or parents of characters in the book.
0: Right. Well, I think that's, with the 2099 premise, like that's kind of the most interesting thing you can do, which is like, you know that'd be like somebody right now talking about president calvin coolidge in america right (laughs) like run it back a hundred years you know um or or like now that it's 2022 like run it back 70 even if you still play with 2099 right but it's like that level of historical figures especially to like you know these these young x-men who are like what like 17 18 you know type kids it's like yeah like who is professor x to them you know it's a it's a yeah. footnote it's a it's a history class um i actually find that stuff pretty compelling and i think that's why jim 299 is such a like you said like he's the captain america he's the man yeah. out of time here um and and he he's in this arc at least is beginning to remember what the world was actually like and kind of what he thinks it should be like and blah 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 um so yeah. if you i would say if you are interested in nine, but don't find yourself like totally hooked I definitely think, like, yeah, like, those early issues of kind of just the kickoff are interesting to get a feel for. Okay, what were the premises? Who were the characters? etc. Um And then this, uh, um, what do you call it? One Nation Under Doom arc is honestly, yeah. like, I would say probably the most memorable. Um, And you get stuff too. You get references, like you have Jake Gallows, the Punisher twenty ninety nine, is Doom's head of shield as he establishes that. So you get. From my understand,
1: from the from from what I understand from the last pages of the book, uh, from uh, each issue each time, is that the the rest of the line was impacted by this, and there were tie ins in the other books, which I would be curious to see if that's uh, that was actually a big a big thing in the other books that uh, characters felt influence of Doom taken over, or if it was just like. Yeah, it was mentioned for two issues and then uh, forgotten.
0: Right. Yeah, I don't remember offhand like how many issues it is, but I do know that like you know Spider-Man had a D branding on its yeah. logo, so like it becomes an After Doom thing. And because most of the characters are in America, like yeah, they're they're impacted by yeah. um, what's happening here with Doctor Doom because it's their their nation and their government and whatever that means to them in 2099. You know. So yeah. I'm trying to. I'm actually just googling right now like how many comics might actually be in this. Um you get a Punisher tie-in, you get ghost. Yeah, there's like there's 38 comics in the whole list. So mm. I think, yeah, like yeah, pretty much every the whole, whole universe kind of falls under this banner. Yeah. Yeah. Um how how thoroughly, I don't know. I haven't actually done the full <laughs> the full binge. Uh yeah. but uh and, and honestly I don't super want to, but if twenty ninety nine becomes huge, maybe I will, right? When when we get twenty ninety nine in the in the MCU, maybe it's time to go back and do the full yeah. <laughs>
1: Which, uh, maybe, maybe like in What If or something?
0: Uh, Sure, you could do What If. I mean, I guess Spider-Verse is, is the one that's going to touch it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Do do uh, Spider-Man 2099 for the, yeah. the second one, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. Um, one question, we, we didn't read it for the club, I think because it wasn't on Marvel Unlimited, but I think you've read it. How do you feel this compares to Emperor Doom in the, the 80s?
0: I like Emperor Doom a lot. I definitely wish yeah. we could have read it um, in the club. Uh, that is much better it is much tighter um yeah and it's a it is to me that is like pretty close to the perfect um uh way to do what if doom took over the world like it's yeah. it's because it's it almost works it, like it, it works in continuity too is the thing like I think it's', yeah. it's Roger Stern I I think or maybe it's, no it's David Mike Liney. I want to say um it actually it actually has an out, a very clever out, where it's like, yeah, you could do this story in the main Marvel Universe and walk it back and still have people reference, yeah. like, hey, remember that time Doom took over the world? Like, it almost doesn't break everything to have to, you know, spend a year putting it back together. Um, So, yeah. a, a million percent, if you could track down Emperor Doom, I, is that still not digitized? That's crazy to me that that wouldn't be uh,
1: I don't available. know. I remember when we got there in the reading club, it wasn't... Um, I'll check right now on Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't no, know. No, I that love it that is. story. And
0: like, so I won't, I don't want to spoil it. Um, I'll let people read it for the first time, but like their stuff, the the kind of a, a major piece of that story is being used in Marvel stuff right now um, in yeah. very similar ways. So it's like, it's, it's way ahead of its time, I think.
1: Yeah. No, the only thing that's on Marvel Limited is a two thousand and two series called Doom: The Emperor Returns, which I don't know if it's a sequel to. Doom
0: <laughs> no, that is <laughs> that is something else entirely. That is okay. so, that is a comic that I have on the um, comic Herald, you know, Marvel reading order, and it's very it was very yeah. early in the early versions of the you know the Marvel Knights era, and I had people in the comments saying things like this comic made me want to tear my eyes out. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, that, that is a different <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah okay oh, yeah. but emperor doom definitely gets a wreck over uh one nation under doom although yeah. um they're of a piece they're of a piece that's for sure you know there's actually uh yeah. if you watched avengers earth's Mightiest heroes the um the animated series there's a yeah there's an episode that basically does emperor doom as well um
1: okay interesting yeah. i only read i only saw the like first few episodes i think a while back
0: yeah yeah good stuff uh all right so cool cool alterniverse uh surprisingly okay and again we left i left yeah. ruins off intentionally if you want to see what the alterniverse gone wrong looks like um those two <laughs> issues are available on marvel unlimited yeah. but just oh man does it it just gets it's just the most it's someone thinking that the post watchman legacy is like oh hey we can we can use sex worker sex worker jokes and uh yeah. just way over the top violence and, and that's what mature is um, and that's what, you know, being uh, being subversive with these characters is. And it's just all yeah. kind of yuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, I got to finish it. I got to finish it now because I got to see how, how low I actually want to rank this. But, yeah. Now, I- I'm turn. very
1: curious in continuing to see what Marvel will do in the next years. Yeah. Um, with kind of stories like these, like alternate stories, what-if stories. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that's still lacking in modern Marvel. Like like I said, I think those are very good entry points for new readers, like just having one-and-done stories that uh, ca- can have interesting takes on ca- on characters, not too tied to the main timeline. Well, and it seems like, I mean, they kind of cracked
0: it with Chip Zdarsky doing Spider-Man Life Story, which is hugely, yeah. hugely, hugely popular. Um, but then also the what-if imprint that he maybe semi-launched, which is The Spider Shadow, which is six issues. Yeah. It's a miniseries, so it's going to sell as one, you know, graphic novel. Um, and it's a, it's a, you know, Spider-Man black costume, symbiote costume, what-if kind of story. Um, but just yeah. fully digging into it, it's, it's very well done. You can get Pascal Ferri art. You know, it's great looking. I hope there's more stuff in that imprint. I guess with yeah with really talented creators because I do feel like those are yeah good. Um, just kind of like I don't know about starting places, but like even if you even if you're coming from like well I've seen the movies or um, yeah. I know about you know the symbiote costume like what what's a fun story to read like it's probably easier to hand somebody that than it is to say yeah. Oh, go to Amazing Spider-Man number two hundred ninety-nine, and that's the first uh, technically appearance of Venom. You know, like that's—it's just not as easy. So I, I hope they yeah. do more with that, but it's the pacing of it is weird because it's—you had Spider-Shadow, and Chip was like, "I'm doing an imprint," and uh, and nothing's happened since. So who
1: knows? yeah, because I, I know you talked about uh, on your other podcast, you talked about um, the idea that Hickman could be launching something like that, like a Marvel equivalent to DC's Black Label. I think that's that's a very interesting idea. and... To I, have like a very classy version of that at Marvel?
0: Right. Right. Um it's weird to me that they haven't done that already. I mean truly. Yeah. Uh, whether it's whether it's a Hickman curated thing or not, which I feel like would be if you can get him to do that time-wise. Yeah. Like that would be your best in I think to yeah. get people so excited. Um but it's it's kind of wild to me because because Marvel loves chasing DC. Like that's the thing is like yeah. they're always yeah. <laughs> they're always in the lead, but if DC does something cool, they will always follow them. Um, everything, you know? But somehow DC has had Black Label for, I don't know, like what? Like three, four years now? Like it's been a while. Um, yeah. And Marvel hasn't done it. <laughs> and it's surprising.
1: And and DC also has like their, I don't know if it's a specific line, but they have a lot of um, teenage graphic novels, stuff like Raven and Teen Titans and uh, yeah. Beast Boy. Yeah. Uh, which, are, which are very good. And uh, yeah, it's weird that Marvel isn't doing stuff like that. Well, they, they did kind Spider-Man of follow is that. Kind of that. Yeah.
0: With um, I mean, they have a Miles young adult uh, yeah, they do, novel. yeah. So and they and they made a deal with Scholastic, um. So I don't that doesn't seem ramped up because DC's YA stuff is is very regular and very consistent at this point.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So Marvel's definitely behind on that, but it, it does seem like they're at least they at least made a move. How, who knows how far it'll go. Yeah. But with Black <laughs> Label, it's like I don't. What is what is the thing that Marvel has done aside from I mean the life story um, stuff for Grand Design or whatever that is like these out of continuity. You know, just like, hey, we're just going to put great yeah. creative talent on a on a thing. They're
1: not out of continuity, but I'm thinking of the what is it, black, red, and white, something like that. The stuff they've done with Wolverine and Carnage, and I think a Moon Knight oh, one. Oh, the is, anthology uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is like it's in continuity as far as I'm aware, but it's it's more. It's not as tightly tied to the main timeline uh, as a regular series.
0: Right. Yeah. No. It's like it. It is and it isn't because it's like. The stuff that happens in there might never be referenced again, but it all yeah. like in theory fits within certain points in the character's continuity. But they're but they're more evergreen type stories. Um yeah. those are those are actually better and, and Badisi's doing a bunch of those too. Like their Superman one was actually pretty good. Uh yeah. but yeah, no, like there's because like uh Al Ewing does a choose your own adventure Carnage story in the Carnage yeah. one. That's super fun. Um so there's some stuff in there that's that's pretty nice. I'm curious, uh they've been hyping up Hickman and, and Chris Pacello on
1: yeah, I'm a nice. the Moon Knight
0: one. Yeah. yeah. Um so I'm I'm curious to see if that gets a lot more attention. But yeah, I don't know. They're 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 behind on this one for whatever yeah. reason. Which makes me think they must be talking about it, but who knows.
1: I hope so, yeah.
0: All right. I think that's gonna do it here. Uh so you can find all the comics here in the show notes. Um again, next episode we are going to be talking about Wolverine, Wolverine Gambit miniseries, and then we got some Generation X, so we're gonna be in the mutant verse. And uh, as we kind of go through 1995 here, so we got a couple episodes before we get back into the Clone Saga. We're going to fast track our way through the end of the Clone Saga, which is literally the hardest thing to do this year because all of 1995, (laughs) every Spider-Man book in 1995 is Clone Saga. Like it is so many comics, but we're going to super fast track it. And then we're going to get into the build to the Age of Apocalypse, which yes. I'm very excited about. Yeah, that will be a lot of fun. So stick with us here on My Marvelous Year 1905. You can find uh, anything from the the show here. You can find at My Marvelous Year on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year for support. If you like the show, please rate and review on iTunes. That helps us
1: out a great deal. Um, Charlotte, where can people find you? You can find me at Fiero Charlotte on Twitter and you can find me on the Slack. Awesome.
0: And I'm Dave. You can find all my stuff at Comic Book Herald on social and, of course, comicbookherald.com for more. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this was a fun one. Oui. We will see you next year.
1: See you next year.